This is Yep, I Did That with Amanda and Jonna. Uh, so hi, hello. This is Yep, I did that. That's Jonna. I'm Jonna. I'm Amanda. <laughs> and we're the podcast that's talking about um, just all the health and wellness trends that are out there. And most of the time, we have tried them, or we at least look up research about it. Jonna has tried most of them. I try to try something every try episode. To try. try to try. <laughs> Um, and then we just talk about whether you should do it or not do it because we care about you. Exactly. And we don't want you to be duped by Pinterest. Yeah. Or like coffee grounds. Or coffee grounds. <laughs> on your legs. Because update. Update, if you listened to last episode, um, was all about natural hair removal. And I got through a couple of days and decided it was the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> um, so supposedly coffee grounds. And olive oil and baking soda are supposed yeah. to make you hairless. And I didn't notice any difference and it was bugging me not shaving because I was having pool time. So, <laughs> And because it was super hot. Yeah. I was wearing like shorts and stuff. So I caved and shaved. And gave okay. up. But, but your skin was soft. My skin was really soft. So I think like before, maybe if I was going to like a pool party that was fancy, I might do it just to like have soft skin. And you'll look a little tan because of the coffee. Exactly. So that's my update. Wah, wah, wah. Wah, wah. Nothing coffee, magical. baking soda. What else? Olive oil did not work. No. Maybe, I mean, maybe if you did it. It didn't work for three days of doing yeah. it. Maybe if you did it for like a month or two. Maybe retrying in the winter when yeah, your legs you don't, don't have to be in the, <laughs> in the light of day. <laughs> that might be a better time to try it. I think that's probably a good plan. Yeah. Um, If you listen to our Instagram live video that we did do over the weekend i did talk about i'd used a sugar scrub after i shaved to help see if it would help with ingrown hairs it did okay nice yeah i mean i used an old razor so no it's fine okay <laughs> i was fighting against like an uphill battle you know well speaking, it's just what it is speaking of instagram go follow us on instagram yes please and you will get lots of little updates and see our live videos yes and you can be even more a part of the Yep Club. The Yep Club and engage with us. And you get to like probably hear some of our rants. You never know on Instagram <laughs> stories. There's so many possibilities. There's so many really. possibilities. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> yes, exactly. Also, if you happen to enjoy this podcast, maybe you could leave a review on iTunes. Yes. Leaving reviews helps us. Yeah. And helping us. Helps this podcast continue. Exactly. So you guys can keep getting the nutrition and health wellness tips. Yes. And fun friend time. And fun friend time. (laughs) Because you guys are our friends. Yay. Um, So we're going to kind of get into the episode pretty like quickly. Um, And just to like to start, we are going to be talking about some heavy stuff in this episode. Um. And we just wanted everyone to know that we acknowledge we are not experts on this topic. We are not um, saying that this is exactly what you should do or if you're doing something different than what we talk about, that it's not okay. Um, And so we just wanted it to be a conversation and for us to start because of everything that's been going on recently. And so, um, yeah. yeah. So we, before starting this podcast in general... The whole thing. We had meetings and sat down and talked about what are things that we want to actually talk about on Yep, I Did That. What are things we want to try? And what in probably the top five Mm -hmm. mental health, like anxiety and depression was in that for us from the beginning, because both of us have been affected with it in different ways in our Mm -hmm. lives. Um, And then with Kate Spade committing Mm -hmm. suicide and then Anthony Bourdain the next week or in the same week. It was in the same week. Um, We just thought like now's the time. We have, we know we have people in our lives that are struggling with it and we know we have people in our lives that we don't know are struggling with it. So we thought we would just have a candid conversation about Mm -hmm. some things that maybe could help and ease that and kind of just like open the door to talking about it and like taking the stigma out of it. Totally. We want to have like a girlfriend conversation um, and just 
kind of explore, like dip our toe into what does this look like in the natural health world? Mm-hmm. Um, and what are some things that we can all be trying to, to lessen um, anxiety load, or yeah. depression or yeah, just all of that. Mm-hmm. So this is our best effort at honoring anyone that is struggling with that or knows people that are struggling with it. Um, and also just t- being ourselves yeah, and say, talking honoring about just it. Just like for ourselves, like how we can take care of our own mental health so that we can take care of the people that are struggling as well, because it all matters. And yes, we have to all be here. So give us grace, <laughs> but buckle up, buckle up. <laughs> Um, so obviously I'm Amanda, so I had to start with some facts. And so, um, looked up some stuff just about anxiety and, um, this is from the Anxiety Depression Association of America. Um, anxiety disorders, um, most is the most common, um, disorder in America affecting 40 million adults, 18 and over which ends up being about 18.1% of the population. Crazy. Um, That's a lot. And then it also is probably people that I think it, I wrote it down, 36.9% receive treatment of that 40 million adults. So most people that have anxiety probably don't even realize that they have a sort, like any sort of anxiety um, because they've just lived with it their whole life or Mm -hmm. they just don't acknowledge that that's what it is. Or people are like, I can... I'm fine. Yeah. I'm whatever. And so, and treatment doesn't mean getting on medicine. It just means that you haven't like done steps to try to help your anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, there are six different types of anxiety. There's general anxiety disorder, social anxiety disorder, panic disorder, OCD, which is obsessive compulsive disorder, um, specific podi- phobias, and then um, post-traumatic stress disorder. They're all under the umbrella of anxiety. Okay. And so anytime we're talking about anxiety, that is, those are the six things that people are usually talking about or studying to try to help alleviate, alleviate those six mm-hmm. things. Um, general anxiety disorder affects 6.8 million adults, which is about 3.1% of the population. And in all of these, women are way more affected than men. So it mm. feels very pertinent to be talking about that since we are mo- majority women listening to this yeah. podcast. Um, but with general anxiety disorder, women are twice as likely to be affected as men. Mm. Um, social anxiety disorder is what affects most people. Um, 15 million adults or 6.8% of the population have some sort of social anxiety disorder. Um, that one is equal among men and women and usually begins around the age of 13. Um, Middle and then school. Exactly. Ugh. Which is just, you think about that already, you're dealing with so much emotion and then you start having like anxiety about being in social situations Well, and your I, whole life is trying. Also, that's like triggered. Yes. Probably then. Oh my gosh. Because people are awful when yes. you're in middle school. <laughs> uh, just to bring a light story to this, uh, just like Jonna saying uh, a trigger, my husband was out on the road and he was at a park. he was they were sitting at a table and there was a field trip obviously with like school kids and it was a spanish class and he heard the like teacher being like yeah you guys sit here have lunch but we're gonna just continue talking in spanish um blah 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 (laughs) and then a child just looks at her and goes you're triggering us (laughs) (laughs) and now we know it's probably true it is (laughs) Well, that was probably just the anxiety of And this is not the type of anxiety we're talking about. No. But the idea of having to talk in Spanish. Yes. We were like, I'm not good at it. Yes. I don't know what to say. Stop triggering me. I don't know how to conjugate a verb. That is the children of millennials. Oh, gosh. Having words like trigger. Yes. Because <laughs> I definitely never said that whenever I was no. in any sort of age and during school. Um, and then major depressive disorder affects more than 16.1 million adults or 6.7 percent of the population um the mean age of onset is 32 and a half years old mm. and so it's crazy they're like we're not even at that point yet yeah where, like things could change you know where it's like we have to take care of ourselves now mm-hmm. um and then again women are more prevalent than men to um get depression um environment and genetics both play a role for anxiety and 
um, depression. And then people with anxiety disorder are more sensitive. Um, This was actually a really super interesting fact. So I feel like it it affects me because it makes a lot of sense. Not me personally, but me with my relationship that people with anxiety disorder are more sensitive to changes in facial expressions. Um, However, they're less accurate in perceiving their meanings Mm. and it's easy to overthink and jump to conclusions, which could cause a lot of stress and more anxiety in like relationships. Um, And Kyle and I, I think that is a very big trigger for us (laughs) (laughs) because I have resting B face (laughs) and I have a judgy face. And sometimes my judgy face is judgy. But my inside heart is not judging or in having any ill will. But my face reflects that and he gets like really upset. And I'm like, I didn't mean anything. And now it makes sense where it's like facial expressions. Like if your face looks a certain way, they perceive it and they start like getting very stressed out about how they're perceiving your reacting Mm -hmm. to them. You know? Yeah. I thought that was incredibly interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's not a statistic, but I thought it was an an interest an interest an interesting an interesting fact. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then just that the current treatment options that we're probably going to um, talk about later, just medications, meditation, yoga, nutrition. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that are currently at our disposal for treating this. treating. Also. According to Google Trends, um, the number of anxiety searches on the web has doubled over the last five years. Yeah. So it's showing that this is becoming a more um, common, even more common than like depression. Anxiety is taking over the like high number of that. Um, I was thinking even the suicide rate in the U.S. has been like insanely like doubling, tripling. Hold on. Uh, I need to come back to this, but with you saying like that, that Google search has been uh-huh. rising, the like suicide rate has been crazy rising over the past few years. So it's like, it's actually, I, I wish I had looked this up before, but I'm pretty sure the World Health Organization, that's who, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Is even saying that that's like one of the top, like, things that needs to be addressed in america right now as far, as far as like health risks mm-hmm. in america because yeah. it's jumped it says it's risen by more than 30 percent in half of the states since 99 it's a long that's a very high 30 percent is insane mm-hmm. any percentage is, is awful high and awful so yeah but 30 I mean, percent that's a very big yeah big number so something's going on but yes anxiety depression suicide all of that is like either people are just becoming way more aware or i think it's it's becoming more prevalent i think it's both like my sister and i always talk about this where um i mean about autism and then like cancer a lot of those things where it's like is it becoming more prevalent or is it because we now have access to understand that that's what a lot of like things were in the past right like People who are like having these really rare forms of cancer probably had them in the past, but it's like we didn't have the capabilities of like saying that that's what it was. And so I think it's a little bit of both where it's like, yes, I think it is rising because the world has changed. Um, but the world is also at the root the same where we all have are dealing with the same pressures of being a human. Yeah. You know, like, yes, externally life now is different than in the 50s or 40s, you know, with social media, um, just life in general is much more busy, um, how we approach everything. But I do think that it's also that like, because of social media, because of news, we are a lot more aware of these things when they happen. Yeah. You know, I think it's both. Yeah, probably is. Either way, that's just crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. So it makes sense that Google searches would be rising. Rising, doubling in the last five years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, good that people are looking looking for help or relief yeah. or trying to figure out if that's what they have, you know, mm-hmm. versus just sitting at home feeling like their chest is going to explode and they don't know what to do about it. Yeah. You know, 
Uh, so what has been your experience, life? What do you have to feel about <laughs> this before um, we talk about all of the like yeah. things that we can help? So I have never been diagnosed with any anxiety or depression disorders and any time that I've had seasons of feeling depressed or anxiety, I have like root causes for that. Mm-hmm. So like grief or yeah, it's all tied to grief for me. Um, yeah. So I feel like I don't have the best voice to speak into this besides my own experience. So I don't, I don't know what it looks like to just have no reason to point to it, to just like, I have no thing that I can work on or no reason to feel the way I feel. I just am sad. I or I just overwhelmed. Whenever I was reading about facts about anxiety, that most people, their like Trigger. onset, yeah, is like something emotional happening. Right. So it's not just like it just happens out. Of it the happens out of the blue. It's more often like they don't maybe don't acknowledge at the time that that's mm. like the root cause of it. But um, like if a loved one dies, or right. if like anything emotional is happening to you that's usually the onset of when these things because how you start handling things Mm -hmm. like dictates then how everything else is playing out so then your body's just trained to yeah react those ways if you you don't work through it or sift through those initial things that are being built upon then you're just getting more and more buried underneath it yeah so I want to like not take away from your like story, but I was watching a TED talk and it was really interesting. It was a neuroscientist from Boston and basically she was talking about how exactly what you say, what you're saying, where it's like we don't automatically like have emotions. Mm -hmm. Our brain is trying to figure out how we are supposed to react in different things and we train ourselves how we're supposed to react. So it's mm-hmm. basically like if you have anxiety like before a test and people have like crip, like really bad anxiety, it's basically like that first time that you like feel that way instead of it being like the epinephrine and adrenaline of just like feeling excited or just a little bit nervous, your body like has been trained has, now. Yeah, and then like after each time it's like you get worse and worse because it's like you're like your body's automatically like i'm supposed to feel like this right whenever this situation happens and it's that you can actually help yourself like to not feel that way in like how you're training your Mm -hmm. brain to react obviously like she said it much more eloquently right (laughs) of how and so you should listen to this ted talk and we'll like post post it. it um but I really st- put a story about it. It's it's a really, really interesting one. And it's a great way to think about how your actions can help right. your emotions because emotions aren't real, which is what she was saying. Like all the science is that like your brain does not flare up. There's not a like happiness flare. Right. It's that your body is telling it like your brain's fighting and trying to figure out how it's supposed to react. Right. And so it's just like reacting how it's been trained to react. Right. Uh, yeah. So basically it's like what you're saying where it's like you get buried. Right. In your like feelings. I think, um, emotions. When you say emotions aren't real, can you expand on that? No. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I watched the TED talk as I was kind of like going in and out of sleep because yeah. I'd been up for so long. But it's basically like your brain doesn't like flare with like um, – doing fmri like an mri functional yeah. mri of your brain whenever they showed them certain things there wasn't a specific way they were supposed to react or like facial expressions didn't reflect in their brain though like yeah like an emotion like so it's like there was it there's no way to track or see an emotion then yes yeah, so like what she was saying was that like what she started out with was the like boston marathon bomber dude who in the picture he like his mugshot picture and talking about his trial where it was basically like he's either going to be sentenced to death or life in prison and the jurors looked at his face heard the remorseful words but then looked at his face and said i don't believe he is remorseful based on how he looks yeah and gave him the death penalty Mm -hmm. and she was saying that that is not a way 
to judge because your face, like facial expressions don't correlate how your brain is actually feeling. Right. Um, and that was like the start of it. And then she went into a lot of other stuff. Yeah. Um, and so I would encourage you to watch it so yeah. that you would understand more because I definitely, I want to amend and, that then too. Yeah. Emotions are real. Emotions are real. It's Feelings more like are real. The, it's that the science how, behind them is confusing and it's just like how our brains re- it's not that like your brain tells you how to feel your brain is trying to figure out what to do. And then you train it to like react to those things. Right. Um, yeah, I just want to be careful about that one. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying, oh, you're sad. That's not real. So sorry about right. you. Um, like, that's no, definitely a part of how you were created and made yes, is yes, emotions. Yes. But there are ways like you, our emotions don't have to rule us. Mm-hmm. So like, we do have the ability to, if an emotion is overwhelming us to retrain our brains with work. Yes. To not be there. Yes, that's essentially what she right. is saying. And the goal is to to start be able to like have our eyes open enough to like recognize that in the beginning, so we're not like having to do all this back work on yeah. all of these like that ang- that anxious test that we didn't recognize and work yeah. on. Because then twenty tests later, you're working back on being trained twenty times over versus being trained two times yeah and having to retrain exactly backwards yeah and she was saying that like in the with the test thing they looked at college students and people who had like crippling anxiety about like tests failed or failed out yeah and then the people who took that anxiety and like used it as like an excitement Mm -hmm. or were like i am just like i'm excited i'm just want to get the test over it's great like trained their brain to think about that way were successful and continued and finished school that makes sense. Yeah. That is fascinating. Yeah. It's really interesting. So. Keep going with your. <laughs> Sorry. I took a, such a side road, but I want to get back to you now. So, um, I mean, I've talked a lot about the last couple of years. We've had quite a journey. Um, and I am a naturally not depressed person, but very emotionally aware person, mm-hmm. which actually has been really helpful, I think, in being able to work my way through things and not just getting buried. Um, But had I not had people around me that were pointing stuff out, especially my husband Mm -hmm. um, or just been in a community that's pursuing emotional health currently, I think that this story could be a different story. Um, So I, after Dietrich didn't realize, but I definitely struggled with, most likely postpartum Mm -hmm. depression, just like anxiety wise, um, are the stress. It literally feels like a forgotten part of my life now, even talking about it now. I'm like, wow. Cause that felt like such a big part for a while. Um, moving, we moved to Mm -hmm. LA. I had a four month old and full new community. Um, life didn't look the way that I planned or thought in my mind it was going to look. Um, so, that was like a year or two years of pro- having postpartum depression and not even knowing that I had it. Um, and just work. And I never had it, saw a doctor about it, but now looking back or actually probably around the time that Dietrich was two, he's four. Now I looked mm-hmm. back and I was like, Oh, this makes so much sense. Like I'm actually capable of working through this thing that before I would just, I can't even, if that makes sense. Like yeah, this, random small thing happened and now i feel like my world is going to end and i just want to lay down Mm -hmm. and not get out of bed for four days (laughs) yes which is like a big deal (laughs) and i think way more people probably do that and don't realize like oh this is actually a serious thing and that's just like the the tip of the iceberg of postpartum like oh yeah insane um i think most women don't recognize that they have it no because your brain is mush already (laughs) so um (sighs) I definitely struggled with that, came out of that, and at two, we started trying to have another baby Mm -hmm. and experienced multiple miscarriages, being on fertility medication, steroids, hormones, Um, and then we had like relationships that we counted on, let us down, Mm because humans let you down sometimes, Mm -hmm. and we had someone really close to us pass away and it was just all at once. And 
last year, I would, I was the last two years actually. So pretty much since we started trying to have other, another child and I started having miscarriages and that relationship started falling Mm -hmm. apart. Um, I was started having anxiety attacks and didn't realize what they were even. Um, so I would just be like not able to breathe. Just, I can't catch my breath right now and my heart's racing. And I would just think like, dang, I'm really out of shape. (laughs) Like that was my first thought. And I would just like before, um, I would go on stage. So Uh like I do music on Sunday mornings at our church before I'd walk on stage, I'd be backstage just like trying to catch my breath because I have to sing. And finally I realized, well, at first I was like, I'm going to die. Like something's wrong with me, which from what I've gathered is a very common thought of people that start having anxiety attacks out of nowhere. Uh, like I have a medical condition or my hormones or like, this is definitely something to do with my hormones, which that can cause that. Um, but then realizing every time that's happening, I'm thinking about this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I think I was really blessed and not as far down the road. And maybe because I've had people around me struggle with stuff to be able to see like, like from above a little bit. Yeah. Um, like, oh, this is going on. And if I keep going down this path, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. Totally. Um, so from there, I couldn't do anything because you can literally not do anything medical that is like medicine. Yeah. If you're trying to get pregnant in uh, the yeah, depression realm. And I never went to a counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, our family just really started taking emotional health seriously. Aaron yeah. and I both. Um, and, in the music world, like even before this, like every year we're having like two or three big musicians committing suicide. Mm-hmm. And that was never something that was never anywhere that I had gotten yeah. at all. Um, but I don't doubt that it could have gotten there if I was just like continuing in that spiral down. Totally. Um, so that's something like both of us are around it. Both mm-hmm. of us have known people or know of people that, have gotten there and we just like committed to emotional health and knowing like our relationship, our relationship with our son, like we're not, it's hard to survive. Like to just live like you're just surviving. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, so this last year we really focused in on like, what are feelings? What does this look like? And what does this look like in LA and America? And, um, I was, t- was t- I'm like obsessed with the Enneagram mm-hmm. for any of you Enneagram nerds out there. And <laughs> sorry, this annoys you. Yeah. But, um, we really dug into our Enneagram numbers. And if you're curious, I'm a four, which is actually the most emotionally aware number on the Enneagram and probably one of the most likely ones to live in a state of depression. <laughs> like we understand suffering. Uh huh. Um, and that's been actually a gift because I've, I've been able to put words to how I'm feeling. Yeah. Um, and part of that is through just working on myself and reading and studying the Enneagram and studying emotional, spiritual, physical health. Yeah. Um, so we just committed to that. And also another motivator for us was fertility. Yeah. Stress is very bad for fertility. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I have to do this. There's a goal. And even if that goal in my mind, I can't get to the point of like, I don't want to feel this anymore. So I'm just going to do this. It was like, I have a goal. Like, I don't want to feel this anymore so that I'm this. Yeah. And that, so like, even if it was an overwhelming feeling, am I making sense right now? Yes, you are. Okay. (laughs) I feel like I have so many thoughts coming out as I'm saying this, but if I'm thinking about losing a baby. Yeah. Maybe I've not, maybe at some points last year, I wasn't ready to actually think about that mi- a miscarriage, mm-hmm. but I could think about like, I want to be healthy for fertility. Yeah. So I could focus emotional, mental health for a season on just like breathing techniques yes. or something and not feel like I had to sift through that because mm-hmm. I had an end goal. Yes. But there's really not a way to get to that end goal without actually sitting yes. and sifting through. 
back to that root cause, mm-hmm. like you were saying, which yeah. makes so much sense with training. And that's so, I'm having so many thoughts right now, which probably this whole podcast is just going to be this because <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's a candid yes. conversation mm-hmm. about this, but I was thinking when you're talking, like, how do you actually train yourself to deal with grief? Like, that's not something you can train yourself uh, because hopefully you're not experiencing it a lot, a lot. Yeah. And each experience is a different experience when it's grief and grief can look so many different colors. Like grief can be losing your dream job or grief can be losing a loved one. Like yeah. <laughs> Those are two extremely different things, but also our grief. So yeah. I think it's more just like, if what practices you're doing to take care of yourself in right. general are going to help you react to the things right. and like the community you have mm-hmm. around you that like yeah. all those things out. I, I feel like that's the only way that you'd be able to train yourself or like right. be at a point of like reacting differently. Yeah. To something, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that was when you said community, which I think I've hinted at in this, but Um, for my specific story, I've had multiple friends lose pregnancies and Mm -hmm. that was my trigger. Yeah. One of my triggers. Um, and, uh, walking that alongside them, I saw the things they did that weren't healthy for themselves. And I saw the things that they did that were super healthy for themselves Mm -hmm. and have like filed that away. So I actually felt like that was even helpful. Just being able to see like. I know what I need right now because I've watched what other people need and what was bad for them and what's good for them. So here's what I need and like sucked in all of it and just sat and had a terrible time and worked through it and have been like slowly crawling out from under my rock for the last year and a half, two years. I feel like that's what we all have to do, you know? Yeah. And I think it's incredibly healthy to look at the people that are around you and learn from them. Right. I remember my sister being like, Amanda, I made mistakes, learn from them. And I had the audacity to look at her and say, I'm going to make my own mistakes. Thanks. (laughs) You're so frustrating. (laughs) Right? Uh, I really am. So I think I definitely I want to talk about the things that I did throughout that to kind of help. But we can do that later. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think my story has been like the last four years and I may have had seasons of life where, like I said, I'm more prone to feeling a lot of feelings. Yeah. So I have always felt a lot of feelings and I'm just now at 28 starting to learn that feelings don't have to own me. Exactly. Um, so like you feel this and what you feel is real, but what you're feeling about might not be real. Exactly. <laughs> so what you were saying about facial expressions. Yeah. I, I feel like that could have explained me a couple years ago mm-hmm. and just through learning more about other people and just like really going on a journey with myself. Yeah. I've learned how to a little bit. I'm not a master. I'm not a Jedi, but <laughs> what you're not. <laughs> I feel like a little bit Ray. of an emotional Jedi. You are Ray. I'm Ray. My middle name's Ray. Yeah. I was just talking about that. Like, what if I had been one of those cool people that went by their middle names and then I would have been trendy you before been Star Wars? You would have been super trendy. It's so effing hot in here. I think it's just a conversation. I think it's a conversation. I'm pretty, like, <laughs> I'm pretty cool at the moment. Um, well, I just, like, I feel like there's so many people out there that I just wish yeah. we were, like, having coffee talking about yes. this instead of me just, like, blurting out all this stuff about myself. But I'm happy to do it and maybe somebody resonates with it. But For sure people do it. I mean, especially women who have or haven't had kids but for sure have had kids resonate really well with postpartum i think that like most people that i know look back and they're like i definitely had postpartum like in the moment though i didn't know yeah and then for women that haven't like life struggles are life struggles Mm -hmm. like everything leads us to the same outcome potentially you know it's like yes there's different triggers like not not everyone is dealing with infertility Mm -hmm. but the same like avenue is going to lead to anxiety and feeling like you can't deal with things. Right. And, and so it, this is incredibly like helpful. I think also like that saying when it rains, it pours yes. happened in our life. Oh and my I, gosh, I, I think that sure happens did. to a lot of people, but it's like yes. loss, 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 loss. Now 
live yes. <laughs> it's like how do i live Deal with it <laughs> right like now you have to like pick yourself up and there was p- points where it was yeah. like i'm not gonna pick myself up i mean that's a reason i put we put diedrich in preschool was mm-hmm. i felt like i was i was putting on myself that i was being a terrible mom yeah. because i couldn't emotionally sift through things and i needed that season and yeah. i think a lot of people need that and don't give themselves that in American culture agree. in general is you're not allowed to feel things you like um our pastor was just saying on Sunday like in America we just like even at funerals just go shh and like pat someone on the back we're mm-hmm. shushing them and it's not to be mean but yeah. it's like legitimately we're shushing people from feeling feelings yeah and that's America like you don't have time or it is not prized to work on, um, like, work through things. Yeah. It's good to feel happy, and it's not good to feel sad. Yeah. And if you feel sad, you're defective because you're supposed to be this picture of what American perfection is. Yeah. And if you're listening in another country, I don't know. My only experience is with America. So totally. speaking to America, this might be applicable to you. But yeah, America in particular has this, like, bright shiny american dream and you have to fit into that mold and your emotions and your mental health have to fit into that mold and honestly that can be a trigger like Mm -hmm. there's this picture of this person that everyone around me is because that's what i see everywhere and Mm, yeah i'm not that so i'm defective and i'm stuck by myself and no one's going to understand where i'm coming from because everyone around me feels this way or if you're a mom Every mom around me, we've had friends that are like, I have to get off Instagram because yeah, every mom's house looks perfect. perfect. And you're like, little do you know, but that mom's house behind her looks like a freaking tornado went off. Yes. But she cleaned a corner so that she could have a nice picture perfect Instagram exactly. picture. Uh, our friend Mary, who you guys know now, she was on the update episode, <laughs> um, came or like came over and I had posted a picture on my nutrition mm-hmm. Instagram and she was like, Hey girl, you cleaned your table. I was like, Hey girl, I moved it all over to there. So I, <laughs> I just moved the picture to the coffee table. Yeah. She was like, Oh, got you. Got you. I was uh, like, yeah, no girl did not clean my table. Yeah. So I know, but social media is journey. like a, yeah. a very big beast that I feel like is a, yeah. a thing that, for the comparative part. Well, I also wanted to talk about that today. Just social media is adding to depression and anxiety Mm -hmm. and suicide. Um, so for me, when we had our last miscarriage, which was our hardest miscarriage at the same time as losing relationships Mm -hmm. and a couple family, um, or really, really close friends passing away. Um, I got off Instagram for like eight, all social media for like eight months. Um, and it was so helpful. Yeah. That was another thing that just really helped me. Um, so, yeah, I feel like I'm excited to have this conversation today because I've watched um, just the pursuit of getting better mm-hmm. and understanding these things in my own life change my emotional health and mental health yeah. drastically. Yeah. So I I was thinking, like, if we would have had this conversation a year ago, uh, this would have just been a totally different story. I don't. But through, like, having the tools and the community of people mm-hmm. around me, um, I really was able to work through a lot of this stuff in a healthy way. Yeah. Um, so, like, my encouragement before we even jump into other stuff is if you're not in that, like, you're not alone. And... Like as much as the anxiety and the depression and the feeling of isolation is in your life and present, one of the best things you can do for yourself is just find a community of people that are healthy Mm -hmm. and they do exist. They exist in corners that might be like, they're not the coolest looking people or that's a weird (laughs) group of people sitting in the park over there. But yeah, it's worth investing in that. And um, I think that's like, potentially one of the first steps to just digging your way out of it totally i mean you can't do anything through this life by yourself no you have to have those people around you that are helping support you as you're going through it yeah and Mm -hmm. i don't think i'd be where i was if we had not had that yeah Um, 
or if I hadn't had people that could point out like this is going on or this is going on when you're in the middle of it. It's like, I have not got eyes to see what's going on. I'm just in sitting here on my couch feeling I I can't breathe. So I don't know what it looks like from the outside. I'm drowning right now. And you need that person or those people around you that are going to stick their hand in the water and pull you out. Exactly. And help you breathe. Yes. Um, So that's also an encouragement to people that maybe aren't struggling with this Mm -hmm. or aren't struggling with this right now. Because... I would venture to say that almost everyone's going to struggle with mm-hmm. something like that at some point of their life. Totally. Um, at least what I went through. Um, yeah. Like that level of anxiety. Maybe not deeper, maybe deeper. But yeah. Um, so if you're not in a season of that, then like open your eyes, be more aware and honestly, like say something. Yeah. <laughs> you not saying something is damaging and not worth it. For sure. So, I mean, it's hard. It's not an easy thing to do. And especially if you're not a person that likes to be out, like, because you are very aware of your emotions and you are a very, like, present person. I think that, like, (laughs) it's not as easy for people to be like, hey, I'm struggling or I need some help. But I hope that someone will be able to see that, like, it's worth it more to, like, get past that feeling than sit there alone. Yeah. Because I think that a lot of people, like, I am that person. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's much easier said than done in a lot of things, but it's worth it. Totally. And like, more when I said, say that is not towards the person in the middle of it. I mean, I want people to do that for themselves. I think it's good to like do it for yourself and like take control of your health, like we talk about in every episode. Um, just like empowering yourself yeah. that like you can make these steps. You're not alone, but you making that step is good for you. Yeah. But more an encouragement to other people out there that aren't in the middle of it. Um, just be more present, ask more questions like you not being uncomfortable, like you being too uncomfortable to ask about someone's emotional or mental health is causing, it could cause a lot of harm. So yeah. The fact that this isn't something that is easy to talk about is an issue. Like we need it. That's why we're having this conversation. We need this to be easier to talk about with your friends and loved ones, because that's like the first step of not having another stigma around it, a stigma or like another Kate Spade or another Anthony Bourdain, like having those people around you that are aware of what's going on. And that's not to say that that's your fault. If something's happened, no, Um, but it is like our duty as society, I feel like to just open our eyes a little bit more, open our hearts a little bit more and just care. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, people who are struggling on the outside don't look like they're struggling. Yes. And so it's easy to say like, well, I didn't know, like it's just like be in people's lives. If you're actually in people's lives, you Mm -hmm. ask those questions versus it being very surface level or very just like. Very easy, especially in a city like L.A., just to be like transient, (laughs) not networking per se. I mean, just be transient in your friends, you know, where it's like you're there, but then you're also going to go on to do whatever, you know, like it's just kind of where it's like. If you don't dig deep, no one's going to know you. Right. And if you don't ask the questions, you won't know them. Mm-hmm. And so it's all about like building the relationship, not just skimming the surface yeah. and taking the time. And um, like Amanda and I talked before we started recording just about Los Angeles in general. And mm-hmm. I was saying how talking real fast because we have lots of stuff to talk mm-hmm. about. But um, L.A., I feel like it's like a breeding ground for anxiety and depression because you're already functioning at your limit Mm -hmm. just living here. And especially if you're in the industry, I think a lot of our listeners are in the industry in one form or another. Yeah. Um, especially here in LA and Amanda and I are around slash in the industry one way or another. And just, you're already functioning at the top of your ability to function. Mm -hmm. So once you're already there, like you're pro like, it doesn't take much to push you over that edge if you are prone to it. Totally. So, and being somewhere that's superficial, like, again, nobody wants to 
cast the sad person that doesn't have a personality. So you have to put on a face. Yeah. And that's why like real friendships is anywhere, but especially in large cities that are industry driven are really important. So like our duty as human beings is to dig into these relationships. Yeah. Ask the hard questions. Don't be afraid. If you are listening right now and thinking like, uh, there's this person that I've thought this and never said anything, go say it after you're done mm-hmm. listening. Like, and you don't have to be like, uh, are you suicidal or say it's like, are you hurting yourself? That's what, those are very insane. Like those are also things. very like accusatory right. questions, but just checking in and being like, Hey, I felt this. How are you doing? Or, you know, just you like, don't even have to say I felt this. She's like, how are you doing? Yeah. What's going on in your life? Let me get to know you and be in on what's happening. Be and aware. that means more than probably mm-hmm. being like, hey, I felt that I needed to talk to you. Maybe. I don't know. You know the you know? severity. Yes. So. But yes. You know. Dig in. That's my story. I probably would love to talk to people about this a lot more. Um, I don't know how that happens with this podcast. Maybe I'll try to do more little instagram stuff or something yeah but for sure you're not alone and that's my story amanda what's your story <laughs> uh, i mean i am a very non-emotional person in certain aspects i feel very apathetic towards most things um and so i feel like i mean from the eating episode, you guys know I have had an eating disorder. And so obviously there's a lot of root issues with control and things like that um, that went along with some depression in college and high school. Um, but for the most part, I have felt generally good. I think because I am apathetic, like in college, I never really got anxious about tests, public speaking, normal, like my heart will get a little bit beat fast, but it's like, there's not anything that's crazy. Like I remember in, um, my internship, we had a big community nutrition, like thing. So it was all these classes and public people just coming. So there's like 200 people for us talking about like infant nutrition. Mm -hmm. And my friend, she was like, like over the top anxious and uh, a girl gave her a beta blocker oh to take. <laughs> um, and if you don't know what a beta blocker is, it's basically for high blood pressure and it just slows your heart rate down. So it blocks epinephrine or adrenaline so <laughs> from being able to be used. And so um, I did not. They were like, do you want one? I was like, no. I think I took a shot of alcohol before I got <laughs> there and I was good <laughs> to go. So, um, but I was, I was good. Uh and so I feel like I've I've generally been good. Um, I think after Ellis, I did because a lot of things happened before I had Ellis. Yeah. Um, like my husband got let go from his job. Yeah. I was, he's a musician. And so uh, that was very stressful. Um, and then being a person, so you've talked about like your personal things, but, and the challenge of the person that is supposed to be on the other side, it's yeah. really difficult being the person on the other side sometimes. Yeah. Um, my husband has depression and anxiety, which he talks openly about because he doesn't want a stigma about it. Um, mm-hmm. And after we had Ellis, it was basically at the worst mm-hmm. that it has ever been in his life. Um, and so he's goes to a therapist now. Um, he's on medication. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Being this person, though, whenever someone is dealing with mental health issues, I think sometimes the person who's taking care of them gets forgotten about. Yeah. And I think that their mental health no longer matters whenever someone else is suffering Mm -hmm. with a diagnosed area. Yeah. And I think that because I feel a lot of pressure and struggle to care for the person who's struggling Mm -hmm. or for the person who has like dealing with something and it takes a toll on my mental health because no one is caring about the person that's taking care of the person. Right. You know? And so just for anyone out there who's married to someone who has anxiety or has Mm -hmm. any sort of depressive depression or mental health issues and you don't just know that like you're doing all you can and that person loves you and you need to take care of yourself so much because it's so easy to slip. Like I, got to my breaking point yeah um 
where it was just like, I matter. Yes. You know, like that person matters. Mm-hmm. And even in struggle, like value yeah. the people that are taking care of you. Um, yeah. It's a really hard area. And it's it, loving someone with anxiety is hard. Mm-hmm. It is not easy. And I don't like, but also I can't imagine what it feels like to not be able to breathe. Right. I have moments of where like Kyle does stuff and like it, I can't like bring words and it bring it brings stress into me yeah where I'm like I just wanted you to do it this way but that's my control and I think not as much anxiety and so I try to understand right but I'm not a person that feels it and so Mm. I'm just the other person that's like hey I love you and I'm doing whatever I can yeah but and I think for that I've talked to Amanda before uh, about like in that moment if if you're in a relationship with someone that's drowning then like they unfortunately it's the type of disease that yeah. like they don't have the capability of taking on your stuff too not at all so you having those relationships with other people outside of it that can love you and take yeah. care of you not that it's easy and not that it takes away the crazy roller coaster that is being at home no but having those at least one, two, three close friends that can walk that with you is so important. Just totally, to, just to be like, you can throw that stuff to them yes. and then they can carry that weight with you because yeah. your significant other might not be able to. Oh yeah. And I mean, and that's where it's like you, that's why I don't want to ever shed light on the person who is the like suffering part yeah. because I don't know what that feels like. And I, it's, so much more yeah well and no i don't think you can it's it's not so, so much more yeah. it's just different where it's like i can different. handle my like i can handle this moment and this moment can't be handled right by, like in certain yeah. situations and so it's like it's just the learning and the learning is hard mm-hmm. the learning is hard yeah. we're at a really good point now um but the but learning, the learning was, was hard, hard. <laughs> yeah and like uh loving someone with mental health is hard yeah and you even just now i don't know if anybody else realized that but even just now she's like like the person suffering and you're like but actually amanda you were also suffering it was just a different it was different but it was still suffering like it's hard totally and for your mental health and your story like you also need community and you also need some of the stuff we're going to talk about to stay healthy my sanity has been able to be maintained right um with the science with the science <laughs> part because otherwise feelings are hard for me <laughs> i think that's why it made so much sense and i accepted where she was like feelings aren't real i was like yes and i was like no <laughs> exactly they you are feel, real and i'm like nah i'm good <laughs> i yeah. don't want to feel anything Yes. Well, not that I don't want to feel anything, but, but I you don't want to feel don't anything. feel things in certain capacities, you know, whatever. So we talked a little bit about the current treatments options. Um, and obviously the way the place that I feel like I do have some things to speak into here um, is nutrition and exercise. And those are some of the things that are the most helpful mm-hmm. um, in lowering anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um Especially if you're on, like I said this to Kyle the other day, because his doctors has to, have told him all the things we're about to say, mm-hmm. and he doesn't do any of them. And mm-hmm. so it's like, even if you're doing medicine, like these things, or if you're not, so like if you're not, these things can be helping relieve it or like keep it mm-hmm. at a point where you don't feel like you have to go on medicine. If right. you're on medicine, doing these things are actually going to allow your body to work better. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it will allow the medicine to work better so you may not need as much of it or at least like you're just helping your body out so it's not being so reliant on just feeling good because of the medicine. Right. Um, and so I think that it's like these things are, especially nutrition and exercise, you have to be doing. Mm-hmm. Like you, ha- like all of us have to be doing these things in order to take care of our mental health. Mm-hmm. And if you're not in the middle of it, this is like a proactive step to yes. not get there for preventative measures so that if something happens, you have something to fall back on to help you mm-hmm. get through and relieve the anxiety or stress or sadness, you know? Right. Um, meditation and yoga, I feel like in high intensity exercise or I do low impact exercise and I feel like it's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but all of those I feel like are kind of lumped in where it's like you need to be having like your own time to be mm-hmm. reflective, whether it's quiet time, meditation, meditation. 
whatever you do right. and then um, doing something that will relieve stress. So yoga obviously is very calming, calming and being like focused. It's all about being mindful as well mm-hmm. um, so that you're feeling understanding how your body feels, right. you know, um, and then doing that gets all the endorphins going, yeah. gets your body working the way it's supposed to um, so that it's functioning at its highest, um, making sure you're getting quality sleep, which, which we talked if about. You haven't. You, we have some tips, so go back <laughs> and listen. Um, which a lot of the things I'm going to talk about today are things that help with sleep because it's for relaxation. Yeah, but will also have been shown to decrease anxiety. Um, so, food. We think that you have stuff that you take. You're taking, and then I have lots of things to talk about that science says that mm-hmm. you should be taking and eating. If you have any sort of anxiety. So if you like since we've talked about how most people have not been diagnosed or gone to a doctor, like what Jana was explaining whenever I read about anxiety, that's basically like general anxiety disorder where it's like if you can't physically breathe, you're probably dealing with like general anxiety. Right. And that's usually triggered by some life, something like life event. Um, And so it'd be these are things that you should probably think about right um but then if you have severe anxiety things these mm-hmm. are things you should be putting into practice and make sure your doctor knows if it's a supplement right so. okay so you heard my crazy story that took probably way too long and i <laughs> don't even know how much <laughs> i went on a few tangents but um in that i talked about how just becoming more self-aware and mm-hmm. like pursuing emotional health was a gigantic help in it. And I was thinking even when you said being more mindful or we've said being more present, I think sometimes that can be like a buzzword. It is definitely a buzzword right now. Let's be mindful. And you're like, okay, well, my mind is going all over the place right now. So what does that actually mean? But just being able to sit, clear your mind. And even if it's for five seconds, just like, Practicing that is insanely helpful. Yeah. Just just focus on your breathing, only your breathing. Some of those things we talked about in the sleep episode were breathing techniques. Um, There's really good, like super simple ones that like are online apps. On YouTube even. That you can just like put on and do a guided breathing. Right. So I think that was a gigantic chunk of it. And having my spouse do it alongside Mm -hmm. of me and like... Uh, support me in that and then him getting healthier and also learning that language alongside me helped a ton because I had a support system and we could actually talk about these things together yes. with language that wasn't hurtful because there's a lot of hurt totally language. and anytime you're trying to do some sort of lifestyle change if your partner is not on the mm-hmm. same page as you it is so difficult to stay right doing whatever it is you're trying to do so get a buddy yeah i mean (laughs) obviously it's going to be a lot easier if it's the person you live with like because you're doing so much life together obviously but um or at least they need to be supportive in all the things that you're doing for you to have success yeah and then over the last year i mean i've talked again about all the crazy stuff that has gone into my body that is um like hormones Mm -hmm. and fertility medication and steroids just lots of crazy stuff yes um which doesn't help yeah at all (laughs) but um i also changed my diet a lot and started pursuing healthier habits in my Mm -hmm. life so um i think that being more aware of the things I'm putting in my body, the supplements I'm taking, yeah. uh, having more language, all kind of culminated to me feeling my healthiest I've ever felt Yeah, now. And that's a year out from the, I mean, last 2017 sucked. It was our yeah. worst year for everything. And halfway through to 2018, I feel like the healthiest I've ever felt, which is amazing. Which is and huge. I'm so pumped on it. Yeah. Um, so... The supplement that I mainly wanted to talk about today um, is NAC. Can you please tell us what that is? Yes, it's N-acetylcysteine. <laughs> I've been taking it for a couple years, not for mental health purposes, but it has had a few studies when paired with fertility medication that they had better outcomes. So that's what I started taking it for. Mm-hmm. And then I am like a research fanatic when it's something I'm doing 
doesn't necessarily have to be science, yeah. but I want to know everything I can about it. Yes. Even if it's anecdotally. Um, so I started researching NAC and what it is. And I'm, I love this supplement. Like I can tell a gigantic yeah. difference when I do not take it. Um, but through that saw that they are using NAC a ton in the mental health community. And, um, so I want to encourage people out there to maybe talk to their doctor about trying some of the things that are out there in regards to NAC. So like very high doses of NAC. Don't do it on your own, but talking to your therapist, doctor mm-hmm. about this, like them partnering with you, that would be like a first step for me if I felt like I was at the point of needing medication. Yeah. Um. So there are studies that are done showing huge impacts on addiction, Mm -hmm. um, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, um, and kind of what's insane. Insane is such a bad word to use. (laughs) What is, I don't know. Interesting. Interesting to me is that like bipolar, depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, all of those things kind of in the mental health community fall under the same umbrella in a sense when Mm -hmm describing or talking about these issues yeah so to me when i think like schizophrenia i think like that's way more serious than what i was going through and in some regards it is but in other ones like they are linked so all of this stuff is so linked in the mental health world Mm -hmm. so nac is shown to have huge effects on that and we're just in the very beginning stages of the the mental health community even studying this yeah but it's i think it's a wonderful supplement and they don't even know all of the amazing things that can happen for it totally they are trying to like i read just a quick recap of nac because i always forget about it and i don't know how i forget about it because jonna talks about it all the time um but basically, they are still trying to figure out the like mechanisms of action. They've seen these things, but the mechanism of action is still unknown. But basically, what it does is it's a precursor for an antioxidant called glutathione. And a lot of antioxidants have are thought to help with anxiety and thought to help with all mental health, like a lot of mental health things, because it's decreasing inflammation, which is then decreasing stress in your body, decreasing whatever you know or if it's able to get into the blood brain barrier i don't know but Mm -hmm. it's basically that it's a precursor for glutathione so it's especially helpful for anxiety since antioxidants in my hippie brain it feels like if i'm detoxing my body i'm detoxing the bad negative feelings in my body too who knows if that's real or not but i mean i somehow have linked detoxing my liver with nac to (laughs) everything (laughs) everything in my life i (laughs) Like Amanda said, talk about it all the time. Even when with Kyle and his journey, I've sent like 4 billion articles probably to Amanda. Like, please read this. And she's like, he's basically cool to taking anything I get for him. So I'm about to like just load up on the things I want him to take and eat. (laughs) And he's just going to take them. So, yeah, well, we're going to do some experiments on Kyle. So we'll see what happens. So, yeah, that's like my main thing that I want to talk about. Yeah. And so I hope that this was... um, just encouraging to hear about where our lives are because this was just more of a, a time to be open and be honest about where we are with our mental health because May was mental health month. Yeah. Um, everything that's going on and then just like making sure that we're taking care of ourselves the best way we can. And so um, just remember, again, we just wanted this to be a, a beginning of a conversation. Yeah. Um interact with us so we can hear more about your stories and the things that you guys are doing or what you're struggling with because you're not alone and we want to be able to be a space and a place for people to talk about anything but especially what they're struggling with and come together and try to help each other out so yeah i mean yeah again have grace with us this is not an easy thing to talk about at all and especially for amanda and i who are Good friends who this you just entered into a good friend conversation. You did. <laughs> this is basically how we talk about this conversation off the mic. Yes, so. exactly. <laughs> and with that, I just want to share the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. They're on call twenty four hours a day. Mm-hmm. If you are in that place and you 
are even slightly considering it, please call. There are people there that are trained, that have language, that have empathy, that want to help you and want to partner with you. So again, you're not alone for so many reasons, but like there's people here that are giving their time to love you and care about you and walk this with you. So the suicide prevention phone number is one 800 273 Eight two five five. I'm gonna say it one more time. One eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. Please call them, and you're not alone. You're not alone. Yes. <clears throat> Sorry. You have the Yep Club. You have the Yep Club. We're all here together. <laughs> we're in it together. Yeah. Okay. And now we're gonna go probably not do good things for our mental health and watch the Bachelorette. And watch the Bachelorette. But also. I'm going to eat some food and drink <laughs> some wine, and that makes my heart happy. So, <laughs> so. it's also caring for my heart yes. as it destroys it. So, <laughs> And next week, we will be recapping how we feel about The Bachelorette. Oh, my gosh. Yes, there's so many feels. And right. maybe Southern Charm because I'm really upset about it. <gasps> yes. Okay. Well, we love you guys. Love you so and... much. Um, and keep fighting the fight. And yes. we'll talk to you next talk week. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, Jonna here. So that whole conversation is so needed and so um, just freeing to have. And Amanda and I really enjoyed just opening the door to what does depression and anxiety actually look like. And we felt like to do it justice, we need a part two and probably a part 50 but for now, what we can give you is a part two. So next week, we will be part twoing this and just talking a little bit more in depth of um, Amanda's story with um, anxiety. And then also just what are some more ways that we can work towards being mentally healthy and emotionally healthy and spiritually healthy and all of the healthies. So please come back and join us next week for mental health part two. And we will talk to you then. We love you guys. And again, uh, please reach out to somebody if you need help because there are people out there that love you and care. All right. Talk to you guys later. Bye.